Welcome back. This is our Brooklyn Bites. This is episode 131. Yep. And I am Stephanie. I'm Leon. And we have a, a little bit of a special episode today because we're talking about some insects and bugs. <laughs> One game in particular. Yep. We both played the same game. Yeah, yeah. I like when we can try to plan our game playing in that way. Yeah. So the game we're playing this week, or we played, is called Earth Defense Force mm-hmm. 4.1. Specifically 4.1. 4.1. The Shadow of New Despair. Does it really have another title? That is not, the subtitle. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay. So uh, it is on PS4. Right. At least that's what I played it on. It is on PC also. Yeah, that's right. You played the PS4 version as well. Yeah, I have that on PS4 also. Okay. Mm-hmm. Going back a little bit for people who don't know what this game is or like the history about it, even though it's part four, it's sort of a confusing timeline. Yeah, a little bit. Well, first of all, the game did not start in the arcade because there's a game that originally came out in the arcades, I think it was in the 90s, and on Super Nintendo called Earth Defense Force. <laughs> <laughs> right. That has nothing to do with this series. It's a side-scrolling shoot 'em up That's right. There was a game that had the same title, Yeah. but there was no relation. <laughs> but the first game came out on PS2. It was called Monster Attack. That was the PAL title for the game, because it was released in Europe, but it originally was a Japanese game. Oh, it was in Japan also? Yeah, so it was localized in Europe as Monster Attack. But was it called Earth Defense Force in Japan? In Japan it was. Okay. Yeah, like the Japanese title was something that translates to Earth Defense Force. Okay, got it. Yeah, it was part of the Simple 2000 series on uh, PlayStation 2. They were like budget titles, right? Yeah, yeah. Simple 2000 means it costs 2,000 yen, mm-hmm. which is roughly $20. I-, I was wondering why they didn't bring that over here. Maybe because it was similar to Destroy All Humans in like UFO alien theme or sci-fi. And they didn't want to compete with that, but mm-hmm. that game never made it to America. Technically, that's part one. <laughs> yeah, it was weird because Tech released that game in Europe and they were publishing in the US too. So maybe that was just the decision of the European branch to pick yeah. up that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, originally in Japan, D3 Publisher is the company that put that out there. They do stuff in the U.S. now, too. So they've started doing their own games here. Okay. So uh, next up is part two, which is called EDF2, Invaders from Planet Space. Mm. Now that has a weird release because it was once again released only in Europe. Mm-hmm. And it finally was released in America, but not until just recently. And it was a port to the Vita. Right. It was released on the PS2 in Europe as Global Defense Force. Mm. They basically translated it slightly differently. And they came up with Global Defense Force instead. Mm -hmm. Which is, I guess, slightly more accurate than Monster Attack. Right. Although that is kind of literally what happens anyway. So I guess either title works. But yeah, as you mentioned, when it was ported to the Vita, it was given uh, a title that was more in line with the series that eventually became known as. And the Vita version came out, I think, just like a year ago or something, or two years ago. Whereas the yeah, just original like. one was like 10 years ago. So mm-hmm. we have this weird timeline now. Yep. So now we move on to part three, and that's called 2017. Mm-hmm. That is the first one that was officially released in America. Right. But of course, it was also released worldwide as well. Mm-hmm. Part four is another weird one because that was only really released in America. And that one's called Insect Armageddon. And that's actually by a totally different developer. So some people like don't even consider that part of the franchise. Yeah. I do. I played it and I felt like it's a little bit different in some mechanics, but it plays similar enough that... I actually thought it was a pretty good game. Yeah, actually, technically, that's not even part four, right? Because that's kind of like a side game. It's, it's almost like a spinoff, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they call it Earth Defense Force. <laughs> right, sure. Part five would be what they released as 2025. Mm-hmm. In America, that was on Xbox 360 and PS3. Mm-hmm. This game here that we played is sort of like part five and a half, because it's 2025, but they made some changes to it, and that's why it's called part 4.1. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So, it's confusing. There's definitely a lot of games. It's, it reminds me of, like, the Ease games. If you try to follow, like, the Ease timeline, mm-hmm. it's, like, near impossible. Or Wonder Boy, like, that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Final Fantasy. Like, the numbers just don't add up. It's, like, one plus one equals three, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, this game we played is based on 
2025. Mm-hmm. They made some changes to it to bring it up to a modern console, PS4 and PC only. Yeah. Uh-huh. So some of the changes they made was they increased the resolution. Obviously, you have a better a console now and a better frame rate. This one runs at up to 60, but mm. rarely at 60. Yeah. Whereas the old one would be like 30 at best, and then it dropped down to like 5 or 10 frames per second sometimes. It still has its moments on PS4. Yeah, it does. It gets it gets kind of rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These games are known for that, though. Uh, it also has some extra NPCs. There's also a giant mech suit battle, which mm. wasn't in 2025. There's a new vehicle called the Spider Tank that you can get into and drive around. One of the characters, anyway. And then they made some uh, level changes, some graphical changes, and also some difficulty changes on the levels here and there. Yeah. So, you know, nothing major that, you know, if you played that one, the 2025, not enough probably to play 4.1. I think online play was in 2025 also. So I actually, I think I mentioned last week, I bought 2025 thinking I was going to play it, and I never got around to it. Mm-hmm. And then they announced 4.1, and I'm like, well, this has better graphics and fixes some of the bugs of the original, so... I'll just buy this one, and now I finally got around to playing it, so... Yeah, uh, so the developer behind this series is known as Sandlot. And uh, they've been doing it since the beginning, aside from that Insect Armageddon game. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, so that was the exception. Mm-hmm. This game was published in the U.S. by Exceed Games, who is known for bringing out a lot of Japanese games. That's pretty yeah. much their specialty, their localizer. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you seem to be a fan of these games. I don't know what made me want to play the first one. Maybe I saw a game trailer or something for it. Mm-hmm. And I like kind of campy sci-fi stuff. I like these like old Godzilla movies. I'm not a huge fan of them, but I just like them. And I think I liked this series in particular because of the insect thing. Uh-huh. Uh, I liked Starship Troopers a lot, like that movie. Yep. And I felt like that insect thing sort of felt like, oh, that's like the movie, you know? And then also the UFO alien space attack. Uh-huh. Um, sort of, you know, like cheesy kind of sci-fi stuff. So it's um, a great combination of all those elements. Yeah, yeah. And add to the fact that it's a budget game, so it kind and of... And it was a budget game as well. So there's kind of a low fidelity quality to yeah. it. Although by now, by this one, I think that they've finally gotten it up to some level of polish. Arguably, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I, I, one thing I, I have to say also about this game, I feel like when you like strip this game down, this is like a modern version of what Robotron would become, like mm-hmm. the evolution of Robotron. Okay. So basically it's a third person action game. Uh, you follow your character from behind, mostly shooting action. Basically like a dual stick shooter almost because mm-hmm. you're moving and then also shooting in any direction. I mean, you're not using the second stick to fire with, but you are using it to control kind of your movement yeah. and, and the camera and which direction you're going to be moving in. Mm-hmm. It's the first one I've ever played though. I never played any of the previous entries in the series. So you're in luck because not much has changed since the first one. Uh-huh. One thing anyone who's ever played these games will notice, each one is almost exactly a carbon copy of the previous game. Mm-hmm. They slightly tweak some storylines and maybe like add a new character or something, but even the weapons are like almost identical. Mm-hmm. There's always like the walking robot enemy or, you know, there's always the same ant enemy. Mm-hmm. So these are all basically the same. It's just a matter of every version. The graphics get a little bit better. You know, maybe they add some extra stages. They added online play. Mm-hmm. That's kind of it. That's one of the little, I was going to get to it a bit. I was a little disappointed and I was kind of a little bored in the beginning on this game because, I mean, I haven't played, I think in Sark Armageddon, which was the game before this, I played that maybe two years ago or so, mm-hmm. three years ago. Uh-huh. And I feel like when I started playing this, I'm like, well, this kind of feels like the last game I just played. <laughs> and I wasn't getting any variety, but I just like how this game feels so much that after like five or six stages in and I started finding like some of the more interesting enemies, I'm like, all right, I know, I, this is why I like this game. <laughs> <laughs> I like the loot you know, aspects of it and stuff. So no, I got into it. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Tons of replay on this game. So what is this game about? It's like you said, behind the back, third person, shoot 'em up. It's a stage by stage game. There's kind of a story to it, but not much. It's usually you pick your fighter, and in this game, there's a scientist that'll tell you, um, "Oh, it's been you know ten years since our last battle. You know, we have rumors that there's ants somewhere. You know, and go find out what's going on." And then. You walk over, you see the bugs, and you hear this recording over your speaker that says, oh, it can't be. You know, it's like this real, I can't be kind of dark The rumors are true. Yeah. 
And that's kind of like how this game plays. Giant insects have returned. You'll hear like sort of someone speaking in your earpiece as a soldier from headquarters and like they're kind of reading out news events from you like oh we're getting readings from all around the world of like giant monsters attacking and mm-hmm. yeah so it sounds like there's multiple people on your radio channel that could be military command giving you orders of what to do or what to look for but you also hear chatter from scientists who are commenting on what's going on and maybe news reporters also it seems like while you are the star of the game it almost gives you the impression of this is someone watching like a campy B movie mm-hmm. and they're getting background information from, you know, what the news outlets are saying about what's happening and things like that, which creates a nice uh, atmosphere of tension because you never know what they're going to say next. Yeah, it's goofy. It's definitely the type of game, though, that I prefer to keep the volume up mm-hmm. to hear those things because sometimes they'll give you clues about an enemy that's coming or about the next stage, too. Yeah. I mean, unless you use a walkthrough. Sometimes it helps to know what you're going to encounter in the next stage. You can kind of prep before you go into the level. So before starting out, before you pick every stage, you have your choice. You can pick your class. And your class is the type of character you want to be. There's four types. There's a ranger. And he is sort of like the balanced character. Yeah, he's like a basic soldier. Yeah, your basic foot soldier. He can carry two weapons. He has like a regular walk speed. That's kind of who I picked on almost every mission. Mm-hmm. Then you can also pick a wing diver. She has a jetpack. Mm-hmm. And she can fly around. She has a little weaker armor. And she can hold two guns, but her guns work on energy that drain from your jetpack. Yeah. So when you're flying, you kind of lose like, jetpack energy, and you have to land to build up the energy again. Mm-hmm. It refuels itself. A little bit trickier of a character to use. Then you have the air raider. The air raider has like a medium armor. It has a very weak weapon. But it can call airstrikes, mm. so you can have like plane zoom in and bomb, and then you can also call in a vehicle, and then you can get in that vehicle and ride around. Mm-hmm. And then you have the fencer character. He has a very strong armor, but moves extremely slow, like very, very slow. He's very physically armored too. He's, He's a like heavy a big, soldier type, like a big bodysuit thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he also carries heavy weapons. He can carry up to four. Right. And he also has a shield where he can block things. Yeah. The downside to him is that he moves very slow, and his weapons are very slow too, and they have a very slow reload and hard to aim. Yeah. So that's considered an advanced class. It is. You know, after you've played the game for a bit, and once you are familiar with the mechanics, then maybe you can attempt to play as one of those. Yeah. The downside to switching to some of these characters are, even though it's not, like, experience-based, as you play these levels, you can pick up items that are scattered around from beating enemies, and you collect, like, little armor boxes, and those will add armor to your character, but when you switch to a new character, you have to, like, build up that character, Yeah, you're too. starting from zero. Yeah, the armor doesn't carry over. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the beginning, I guess you have some room to play around, but once you get to the later stages, if you didn't power up those other characters, then... You're stuck with what you chose, you know, your character you started with. Yeah. Like you, I played the game pretty much as a ranger, the basic class. Mm -hmm. And even though I did have the option to switch to the other ones, I felt like, well, I was making good progress. I didn't really feel like I needed to switch. I find the soldier the most fun to play with anyway, because he's got a decent walk speed. Mm -hmm. And I just like the shooting aspects of this game. And that's what you do with this guy you're shooting. And he's good with a sniping weapon. And, you know, that's why I think it's just more fun. Uh-huh. I only briefly tried out the wing diver, and mm-hmm. I kind of liked what I saw. If I was going to play some more, I would probably switch to that one and, mm-hmm. and try it out a bit more and try to build it up to the same level that the soldier was at. The ranger, I should say. Mm-hmm. And then going back to the air raider, that seems to be more of a support class. True. It's best in multiplayer. Okay. Because you can summon airstrikes, and you can also build shield generators and do health recovery for the other players. Oh, nice. You know, so he's, it's best when you're playing with a group to use that class. So you're not the type to run into battle with that guy? Right, yeah. He's more of the healer type. He's mm-hmm. more of the support class that's going to protect the other soldiers and help them uh, continue to fight. I only played it briefly, and I found it kind of challenging on its own. Mm. But again, maybe that's just a learning curve thing. Yeah. Yeah, you can play up to four players in this game mm-hmm. through online co-op. Yeah. If you play couch co-op, it's split-screen two-player. Mm-hmm. So it's good to have those options, though. Yeah. So, you know, once you pick your class, now you can pick your weapon loadout. Mm. And in the case of the... I mean, I played most of the games as a ranger, so I'm going to probably be speaking, you know, in that sense. Yeah, me too. You have a couple different weapon types. You have, like, your machine guns. 
You have shotgun. Shotgun. You have a grenade rocket launcher. Do you have another type of rocket launcher, which is like a lock-on system? Mm-hmm. Sort of like a Panzer Dragoon thing. Yeah. Um, and then you have like a, like a blowtorch. You have the sniper rifle. And mm-hmm. then you have like a healing gun too. Yeah. yeah those are considered like special it's weapons. like lasers. Yeah. And those are special. Some of those you can't reload. Those are like one-time use <laughs> yeah. on the battlefield. But most of the items, you have to reload them. Yeah. And uh, the nice thing about this game is when you're shooting, you don't have to worry about ammo. It's Everything's unlimited ammo. For the most part. So this is a pure, like, run and gun, shoot everything. Mm-hmm. You know, keep your finger on the trigger at all times if you want. Yeah, and at first I wasn't 100% clear about that because, as you mentioned, there are enemy drops that you can pick up while you're playing. Some of those include weapons. And I thought, oh, that must be more ammo or it must be a new weapon that I find as I'm playing that I can then switch to. But it, that turns out to not be the case. Mm-hmm. So neither one of those things were true. Yeah. And the other pickups you can get is health refills. Yeah, there's a small health, a large health. Mm-hmm. The armor pickups. And the armor. It's funny, they don't really describe it as such, but the armor is really your health. It is, yeah. <laughs> Even though you find health refills that recharge that armor, the armor that you find on the battlefield is upgrades that you get when the mission is over. Right. And then it increases your armor for it the increases. next... And it's not a one-per-one one ratio basis. Mm-hmm. It's like for every three armor... It depends on your class that you pick. But like, for instance, every three armors you pick up will increase your health by one on your next mm-hmm. playthrough. Yeah. So some of the strategy when you play this game is, number one, you want to pick the right weapons for that stage. Mm-hmm. And the next thing is you want to play through the stage... And you want to try to collect as many of these items as you possibly can. You want Because you want to pick up new weapons. Certainly. And you don't know what the weapons are. They just say weapon box. Mm-hmm. And you don't know until you complete the level what weapons you found. So it's kind of like that loot reward system. So you're always looking out for weapon boxes and then also armor upgrades. And the trick to this game is you don't want to kill the last enemy on the stage until you get all the weapon boxes. Yeah. Because... Because then it'll say mission complete. Mission complete, and then you lose everything. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, you lose the chance to pick up more stuff. Right. They do give you an on-screen map on the corner, sort of like a radar right. um, sonar thing. And it'll indicate on the map, like, all the colored dots of where the items are, so you can kind of roll over there quick. Mm-hmm. And it also tells you where the enemies are, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem with that, and, and becomes more challenging, too, is if you have... You know, when you're playing, especially on a single-player game, you'll have the computer... Like, your teammates also, like, you know, because they send in armies of EDF soldiers. Right. And they're helping you beat all the aliens and bugs, too. They'll sometimes kill, like, the last two enemies for you, the last three enemies. Mm-hmm. And then if you didn't plan it right, then you're like, oh, I just, you know, I just <laughs> left, like, 14 crates on the board and I didn't get them. Yeah. That's part of the strategy in this game. It's not even about killing everything. Sometimes you don't want to kill everything just yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to pick up all these extra items. So in, in that situation, I mean, these are AI-controlled soldiers that mm-hmm. do their own thing. Unless you go over to their group and you kind of assume command and you can recruit them to fight along your side. You can do that, yeah. Yeah. But so even doing that, if you're near an enemy, they'll just going to They'll engage the enemy, yeah. sure. I suppose you could try to recruit them to keep them out of trouble uh-huh. when you're trying to pick up the last items. <laughs> yeah. But then again, if you move too quickly, you might get too far from them and then they'll break off and do their own thing. It's true. So. There's also friendly fire too. Mm. If you have a rocket launcher, you might be able to kill your <laughs> your own teammates. You don't get penalized for no. killing your enemies or if you destroy like any of the environment. Another nice thing about the game is that you can destroy anything. So mm-hmm. like... Most of the game, you're in, like, cities with tall buildings, skyscrapers, trees, parks, bridges, tunnels. Everything's destroyable. Mm-hmm. And no point system. You don't get rewards or anything for it. Right. But it's, it's just cool to look at. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes um, you'll go down a street and you'll see people screaming and they're running. You can kill them, too, if you want. No one gets mad at you. <laughs> I, I guess that's both good and bad. Obviously, you don't have to worry about that type of uh, collateral damage. But at the same time... It would be cool if he did have some kind of objective in that way to try to do it without causing too much damage or if you were like really efficient about the way you completed a mission. I agree. I wish there were some kind of stats that said like how much buildings you destroyed, mm-hmm. how many people you, you saved or something like that. That would have been nice. Yeah. yeah. Or what your accuracy ratio was. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. Definitely. We should also mention the difficulty settings. That's the next step now when you start a level. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So there's five difficulty settings available. Okay. There's easy, there's normal, then it goes to hard, 
hardest. But then there's one more because it's not the hardest. The true players play on Inferno. Inferno is the hardest level. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it goes up in difficulty, but not just that. There's a higher percentage of uh, friendly fire. Also, the rewards are higher for playing at those harder difficulties. Yep. So there's the potential to get better weapons out of it if you can survive. <laughs> the enemies are also more difficult. Right. More, they take more hits and they cause more damage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what did you play on most of the game? I played most of it on normal. Normal, okay. Yeah. The game does keep track of that. There's a stage select screen in between the level, mm-hmm. and it'll tell you what you completed the level on. It'll fill in the box for you. Mm-hmm. At any time, you can go back and play any stages you played, on, and you can change it to any difficulty you want, which is kind of nice, because this game can get pretty difficult early on, yeah. especially if you're not used to how the weapons work or you know anything like that. So it's nice if you get stuck on a level, rather than repeating it, you know, 20 times, you can just switch it to easy. And then you can always go back to it when you start getting some better weapons and more armor. Mm -hmm. If you want to do an all normal, all hard setting, whatever you want to do. Yeah. So it's kind of cool that they do that. Mm -hmm. So the type of levels there are, the stages, it's sort of like a formula that they go with. This particular game has 89 stages. Mm. And they all kind of fit in this formula. You have... Your survival type of stage, which is just about defeating like waves and waves of incoming enemies, and then you'll get a message from headquarters that tells you, we're overwhelmed, just retreat, you know, we can't beat them now. And the message just ends. You'll see like enemies all over the place, and then the game just, and it just says mission over. Yeah. Um, so there's that type of stage. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, the type where you're underground, fighting in like ant tunnels. Um, not too many of that in this version, but um, there's a couple of those. Then there's the mech fight stages where you're in this big robotic mech suit. (laughs) (laughs) There's also uh, an objective stage where it'll say eliminate the underground tunnels or take out the motherships. And these things are usually enemy generators where there'll be enemies pouring out of these things. And unless you destroy this, they call them tunnel exits, but it's more like a hive. Yeah. If you don't destroy it, it's an endless amount of enemies. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like a gauntlet. You know, we have to always defeat the... The generators. The generators, right. right. Or the um, emanators, yeah. The motherships in the sky, you'll see them open up, and enemies will just pour out. And, you know, <laughs> you have to knock them out, otherwise you'll be there forever. Mm-hmm. So there's that type. And then you have the stage, which is just defeat all the enemies, and the stage ends. And that's it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really the basic formula, right, to this game? It seems like And it. every level is just a variation of this they try to progress the story along they try to say like located the enemy in this sector or there's reports of enemy activity here mm-hmm. go investigate and i noticed there are different types of city scenarios mm-hmm. some are more skyscrapers and commercial district than some are more residential smaller houses i like those especially and then some are in the countryside and then you know the underground missions Personally, overall, I like the city-type scenarios. I think it's the most interesting to look at. Yeah. Do you think it's because you live in a city? Uh, well, no. Yeah. I, actually, I'm really impressed with the level of detail that they give in those type of settings. I mean, you can walk into people's backyards, and there's, like, bike racks and, you know, vending yeah, machines yeah. And it's everywhere. All, and you can, if you have a machine gun, you can just shoot down the bike racks, and they just tip over. Everything just explodes, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it is... You can see in the windows in the cafe. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, since it is a Japanese-made game, the terrain has a very Japanese flavor to it. So a lot of signs in Japanese, and the towns look the way a Japanese town looks. That's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They didn't localize that aspect of no. it. <laughs> but it's very cool. I think it adds a lot of flavor, especially if you watch a lot of uh, kaiju movies or Ultraman or any of those type true. of movies. You're right. But they have this interesting storyline to accompany this game because... You do have the 1950s-style B-movie aspects of fighting giant insects, but at the same time, you also have an alien invasion going on. And it seems like the story is suggesting that aliens have sent these giant bugs to soften up the population on the Earth so that their invasion can then be more successful. Mm-hmm. So you do have a lot of different type of enemies. You have giant monsters, but you also have like alien spaceships and stuff. Yeah. So it's an interesting mix. Mm-hmm. So the enemy types... Okay. Your basic ants. You look have, pretty realistic. They're enormous, too. And they're four stories high, at least. Mm-hmm. Something like that. You've got spiders who can shoot webs and ensnare you. They're leaping spiders, too, yeah, so they hop around. The leaping ones, right. They'll drain your energy as they shoot a web at you. Mm-hmm. There's the long leg spiders that spin webs mm-hmm. and hang out like on buildings and stuff. Yeah, they're enormous. They're very big. <laughs> 
The uh, there's the giant king spider too, uh-huh. which is like the mother spider. All of these different bug classes have a queen type. Yeah, that's true. That is like the huge giant version that you eventually build. They're all up, big, build but it's like the extra, like the size of a building, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's hornets or wasps. The wasps, yeah. Those are new, and I don't remember in the other games having that. Mm-hmm. Each of those classes, they all have harder versions. Like the red ants will be the harder, tougher types. Mm-hmm. As you progress, yeah. Yeah. And, and the game will say, like, oh, these insects have evolved. You know, they're, they're learning from us. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and then you start getting, like, the red ones, which take more hits. They get more aggressive. They spit stuff at you. You know, things like that. But I like the progression of the game because... You don't just get introduced to this stuff early on and then that's it. Like, as you progress through the missions, and there's so many missions, you continuously get introduced to new enemy groups. Mm -hmm. And it gets a little more intense and complicated as it goes on. I was kind of surprised by the flying saucers showing up at first. I didn't realize there would be UFO types. (laughs) Yeah. I thought I was just fighting giant bugs. Mm -hmm. But then it gets even more intense, right? Yeah. Because eventually you do get into other types of creatures. Yeah. And not just insects. Some of my favorites, which are in all the games, they're called Hectors. Mm-hmm. And these are like a walking robot sort of thing. The two-legged ones, The two-legged right? ones, yeah. Yeah. And, but then you do have other types. The Deroys, right? Deroys, which are like, what's that movie with Tom Cruise? Yeah, like the, War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds, yeah, like the tripod walking things. Mm-hmm. Those I found, like, really creepy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like more the alien type stuff. Because to me, it's more creepy, like, seeing them come in. Because they always introduce them from, like, the distance. Especially, like, in the beginning, like, when you first meet the Hectors. They're always coming in from the shore. Like, you'll see that in the distance, like, these little specks. And as they get bigger, you see, like, oh, it's like a huge army of these robots, like, coming at you. Uh-huh. And same thing with this huge-legged alien thing. Right. And it's just very creepy looking. Um, it's cool. I don't know. Yeah, because you see them off in the distance. And you think, oh, this thing is either really far away or it's really big uh-huh. and then all of a sudden it steps over blocks at a time <laughs> yeah. and then it's right on top of you it's right on top of you yeah and uh and it targets you and it creeps me out it's like if you don't like games where you're being like chased and followed mm-hmm. this is a tough game to get through <laughs> yeah and they have variations too there's different types there some of these robots are built differently mm-hmm. they might have different armaments some might carry shields yeah some I carry giant cannons. They some run. Mm-hmm. Like, some of the Hectors will move very fast. Right. And they're supposed to be colored differently to give you a hint of what their abilities are like. Mm-hmm. But it's not always super obvious while you're playing. There's also, like you said, flying saucer-type enemies. Mm-hmm. Transport ships that fly in and dump enemies onto the stage. Luckily, you can target these ships, too, and blow them up. But typically, they're only vulnerable when their uh, Their hatch bay is open right right? yeah they have like a bay that they dispense these enemies out of and this is where learning your weapons Mm -hmm. well is the only way you can beat this game because if you don't pay attention to what they're talking about or see the little like preview window of the next stage you have to know well i have to fight these transport ships on the next board so i need to bring a long-range weapon with me either a rocket launcher or a sniper or a rifle something with a fast reload yeah and a fast reload because you have a window of opportunity to hit this enemy and you Uh have to do as many hits as you can while that bay is open but you've also got shield generator enemies and these create like bubbles of force fields yeah who will guard the bigger enemies so you can't shoot them from a long distance right but then your commander will tell you that you gotta get close to these enemies because you can pass through the shield but just weaponry can't pierce the bubble that's true so you have to get up close to be able to attack them directly. Yeah, that's what you don't want usually. But So like in other games, I'm pretty sure this is a new thing. I don't remember that in the old games either. Mm-hmm. That once you start getting good snipe weapons and rocket launchers, most of the game, like on the older ones, you can kind of just in the distance like knock all these big robot stuff out. Right. But in this game, on the later levels, you can't do that. You have to get up close to them and, and fight them a little closer. Mm-hmm. These ships will also introduce flying drones, smaller alien craft that fly in the sky, Mm -hmm. and get super close. At at one point, I'm getting swarmed by these things. They do hover right around your body. Well, when they come out, the drones, there's usually like 200 of them coming out. Mm -hmm. So it looks like the battle in Star Wars, when all the TIE fighters roll over the place. Yeah. the X-Wings and everything. And then, like, that's what it feels like. I, you, the next thing you know, you look up and you just see the sky full with all these, like, drones. And right. you're like, oh, my God. And the next thing you know, you look lasers coming in all directions. And it happens really fast. <laughs> yeah. So that's when you need a weapon that's got some fast firing. Yeah. There's also these new things called the flying vehicles, 
which look like space helmets, but they hover, like, sort of near your body also. They move a little slower, so they're kind of easier to kill. And they're also, like, just follow you and shoot lasers. A lot of different varieties. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I was really surprised to see in the game were dragons. Yeah, dragons something I've never seen in the other games. And the scientists are suggesting that somehow the insects mutated into dragons. Yeah. And at first I thought, well, these must be just alien creatures that remind us of dragons or what we imagine dragons to be like. But they call them dragons, Mm -hmm. and they look reptilian and fly through the sky and breathe fire. They do breathe fire. And they do all dragon-like things. I think the dragons are kind of cool, because... Like, when they said dragon, I, I figured it was going to be dumb. But the dragons will swoop in to, like, shoot fire at you. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they get bored and they'll, they'll just hang out on the buildings. Like, they just hug to the buildings. They cling to the side yeah, of buildings. Yeah, it's funny. It's almost like the AI on them is kind of funny how they operate. Mm-hmm. And, and even if you hide, like, between buildings, you see them, like, trying to sneak in between the building and they can't. So they just start blowing fire in there. Right. And I'm not just talking about, like, one or two dragons. Usually there's, like... 50 or 100 on the screen. It's insane. It gets overwhelming sometimes because just like the ants, they can fly straight for you and grab you in their jaws and then carry you into the sky and you're like, you Yeah, know, you have to shoot their mouth. Uh-huh. Otherwise, they'll just keep draining your energy. You have to shoot, shoot your way your free. Mouth. Yeah. And then you might fall like 100 feet. <laughs> and this is where carrying the right weapon for that too because if you use a rocket launcher, mm-hmm. when you shoot that dragon, that explosion is going to hit you too. Right. It's going to knock you out of the dragon's mouth, but yeah, so that's not good. <laughs> yeah, so typically my loadout is some kind of fast reloading type of weapon uh-huh. and then some better like ranged weapon that can do a greater deal of damage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's that machine called the quadruped. Right. Which is a giant four-legged robotic big transport machine. Yeah. These things are enormous. They've got giant plasma cannons on the front. Mm-hmm. They're just continuously firing, but <laughs> presumably whatever they're firing at is so far away you don't even see it. They're just kind of blasting these cannons out. Uh-huh. And it goes over the horizon somewhere hitting something. But they've got cannons mounted all over them too that I think are not deployed at first but then as you get closer to them they pop out and they start shooting at you so these things are pretty tough and those are also only vulnerable if the hatch on the bottom opens up yes which is tough because it's a very low walking vehicle think of like a very wide Mm AT-AT but lower to the ground yeah so you have to really get up underneath it practically unless you have a good ranged weapon Mm -hmm. and uh, they're tricky yeah they're definitely tricky (laughs) They're very mm-hmm. cool, though. It took me a while to figure out what the right way to attack them is, because especially being a foot soldier that doesn't have great mobility, mm-hmm. those things can move pretty fast. I mean, they're enormous walking things, and if they start walking away from you and you're trying to catch it, it's kind of hard to catch up with it once it starts moving. You have to wait for it to change direction such that you have a chance to catch up to it or intercept it. Yeah. So I found that like a lot of work when I first ran into those. Mm -hmm. But that's not all. There are giant rampaging lizards. Yeah, he's called uh, Urginus? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Urginus? Urginus. Urginus. Yeah. I guess Godzilla was taken. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Not a whole lot you can do against this thing. (laughs) He's tough. (laughs) And yes, there is a chance you can get trampled. Uh, yes, that's what he likes to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he'll charge at you, right. and then there's times where he'll stop, and he'll just start spitting like a laser that just obliterates everything in his path. Mm-hmm. He jumps around a little bit, too. Right. <laughs> he'll do like so, a stomp. your basic rampaging monster. Yeah. Now, the EDF did come up with a response to this thing, and that is the walking fortress called Balam. Balam, Yeah. <laughs> It's basically a giant robot that was being developed for some purpose. I'm not sure if they said it was explicitly to fight this thing or not, but it seems incomplete, and it doesn't have any weaponry. So all it can really do is is punch the giant lizard <laughs> repeatedly. Yeah. And, uh, it does different punches. <laughs> yeah. Uppercut. Sure. So that's sure. pretty yeah. much what you're asked to do at one point. You're uh-huh. asked to take command of... One of these robots. And, and kind of get in the vehicle. It's mm-hmm. very slow. Extremely slow. Yeah. You have to plan its movements. Mm-hmm. The lizard can move much faster it can. than the robot. So there are times where 
you steer it in the right direction, you get close enough to land one, maybe two punches, and then Urganus will just jump away and then blast you with fire and knocking you down. And It's a struggle, but you do have a lot of health, a lot of armor. Usually I think it's like 10,000 or something. And you've got enough for the fight. Those stages are fun, especially when they first introduce that character, because you hear the reports on the radio of them trying to analyze what kind of creature it is and how to beat them. They're like, aim for its head or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's pointless because you can't kill it. It'll always start with like an area where there's a lot of buildings. Like I think they almost do that on purpose. And by the time you complete the mission, there's nothing left. It's like flattened area. <laughs> Everything's gone. It's kind of cool. It's like, wow, look at that destruction, this thing. It's also cool the way... The game is always from your perspective for the most part. So you're on the ground, and there's this giant 50-foot-tall, 100-foot-tall monster rampaging. And then you hear the report saying, we've deployed the walking fortress. It's coming in. And then you see a fleet of helicopters carrying the giant robot into view. right? (laughs) And then lowering it. And then you get the prompt to enter. And then the camera then switches behind the robot. Yeah. But they do that on a lot of stages, and that's kind of a fun thing about the game, too, is there's some stages where they'll say, we're sending in more troops, you know, and then you'll see, like, a tank and a whole bunch of other EDF soldiers come in, Mm -hmm. and they start helping you out. And that happens more early on than later on. Later on, they don't do that as much, but it feels like you said, like, a story going on. and Like, there's other things happening away from just what you're experiencing directly. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not just you versus, like, all of these ridiculous forces. Like, you're part of an army. You're, you know, you're a soldier. I mean, you might be maybe more advanced than the others. Yeah. Obviously, you're... you can command them and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like, it's not like a Rambo situation where you're taking out the whole, you know, you're definitely part of a team mm-hmm. of other soldiers. Right. But it, it is possible, too, that you're the last man standing, and it's up to you to finish that, That's a lot, especially the on later levels. Like, your team gets wiped out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Right. This uh, Walking Fortress Balam uh-huh. is a robot that's very similar to the game that Sandlot did before they started this EDF series. Really? They did a game on PlayStation 2 called Robot Alchemic Drive. Huh. And... It's uh, shown from a very similar type of perspective. You're on the ground, and it's almost like a callback to Gigantor or one of the old giant robot type of anime in the sense that you're controlling this giant robot. You're not in the cockpit of the robot. You're on the ground, and you're controlling the robot. You've got like a remote control or something, and you're giving the robot commands. And it controls very similarly to the way this robot controls in this game. So Interesting, I didn't know that. It's an interesting game to check out if you like that style. There's one enemy Mm -hmm. we didn't talk about who was my favorite enemy in this game. Let's hear it. And maybe this is a little bit of a spoiler, but his name's Argos. Mm. Did you know this one I'm talking about here? That's like the boss of all the giant robots. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. This guy was awesome, I have to say. Mm -hmm. So he comes down as a ship. And his huge ship just shoots his, like, long lasers, blowing up everything. Right. And then you get this report, this ship is transforming. Like, we don't know what's going on. And then you turn around, and you go to look, and you see, like, you know, this ship becoming a giant robot. Yeah. And this robot is huge, and it's just shooting lasers and rockets and all things at you. It's like the SDF-1 from Robotech. Yeah. It's the size of, like, three aircraft carriers, and then it just can suddenly transform itself. It's very menacing looking. Mm -hmm. It's cool. (laughs) Yeah, very cool. The one nice thing about, like, I like this game, too, and this goes with a lot of the ships uh, that are above you, like the motherships and the uh, Earth Eaters, which is this honeycomb thing that forms above you. When it's shooting lasers, the lighting is very well done, where, like, you're almost blinded by the bright lights of the laser, like, blowing up stuff and, like, the fire and the screens turning red, and it feels like you're in the action. Like, it gets very intense. Mm-hmm. I like that, how they do that. Yeah, it definitely gives you this feeling that this is Armageddon. This is like a fight for Earth, and things could end at any moment. There are some stages that, when I'm playing it, and there's like all these ships and stuff going on, my heart is racing. (laughs) There's so much going on, like I'm like so nervous trying to get through this. I mean, you mentioned the Tom Cruise movie. I mean, obviously it's a remake of a classic sci-fi movie. But the way they presented the Martians in that movie, it feels like very similar to the kind of things that happen in this game, where civilization's under attack, and 
the sky goes dark, things get very quiet all of a sudden, and you make that turn around a building, and then all of a sudden you see this new enemy for the first time, Mm -hmm. and it's just much taller than you are, and just like the very ominous sound that those uh, tripods made in the movie. Yes. I wouldn't say there's any sound effects that kind of mirror that here. Maybe there are. There's a few, but it's not as prominent as Mm -hmm. that movie. But just visually, I think there's a lot of strong impact moments where... You know, you'll see, like, a mothership for the first time as you go around the mountainside, and there's, mm-hmm. like, this giant sphere just hovering over <laughs> yeah. over the landscape, and you're like, what? what is this thing now? What is this going to do? <laughs> they keep things fresh, mm-hmm. and they keep introducing new things. All of these enemies, they all have, like, multi-stage or more evolved versions of them. Just when you think you've seen them all, or you figured out how to beat them, there's like a tougher version yes. of the same enemy that That's shows true. up eventually. Except for the robot. He doesn't yeah. really change much. Not a whole lot. But he's one of the last enemies you fight in the game. Mm-hmm. The one thing we didn't mention are, which I just kind of briefly mentioned, were the Earth Eaters, mm-hmm. which I don't remember in the prior games, but this is like um, some new device the aliens came up with to engulf the Earth in like this shell. Yeah. And the shell is like made out of honeycomb kind of. Yeah, form. these hexagons yeah, that sorry. link together and just completely coat the sky. Yeah, they're trying to make it like into darkness. So they start forming above the sky, and then some of them drones will come out of, mm-hmm. or some of them are just like lasers and rockets. Well, like they're different modules. Uh-huh. Yeah, so some of them you know, dispense troops, or just cover with tons of laser cannons that just continuously fire and home in on your position. And, and that gets kind of creepy, too, because sometimes you're playing and you think the battle's almost done, and then you start looking up and you see all these things start forming above you in the sky, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh boy, now I have... <laughs> You know, what is this thing going to drop now? Right. There are times when your mission is to destroy the actual cannons that open up and fire directly into the ground. Once again, you have to time it. It's only vulnerable when the hatch is open. But meanwhile, you've got swarms of drones all around you. You're trying to hit this thing in the sky with your rocket launcher. Meanwhile, these drones are flying like right in your face. Yeah. And the rocket blows up point blank because... It flew in front of you when you shot. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that happens to me a lot. That happens to me, too. So those are situations where maybe it's better to have a sniper rifle than a rocket launcher. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the rocket launcher does a lot more damage. Yeah, nothing compares to a good rocket launcher. Mm-hmm. We did also try out the co-op. Yeah, we did give it a try. Mm-hmm. How did you think that played? I think it was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty smooth. I found it a little confusing setting up. And that might be part of like how the PlayStation works. But initially, I set up a room... And I didn't know how to invite you into the room. Right. You know, it took a couple of seconds to figure it out. But by the time I figured it out, you already sent your invite to me. So Yeah. And then it's like, it wasn't sort of clear, like, well, how do we set our settings? Because what happened was, when you do online multiplayer, you can't use the character that you've been playing with. You have to create a new character. Right. So you start with your basic weapon loadout. And you have to keep playing online play until you build up that character again. Which was a little bit of a disappointment. Because I want to join with you and do some Inferno levels and see how far we can get. Yeah. But it doesn't work that we'd have to build up our characters from the start, which I don't really get why they did that, but I don't know. It's sort of its own storyline or its own progression. Yeah. There also weren't many people playing, because I think there was only four active rooms total. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You have the choice of making a public or private, so... Right, they could be, I guess, they could be private ones. I guess so. Which, that's how we set it up anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it seems like the whole multiplayer aspect of this thing is completely handled within the game, and there really isn't some global PlayStation setting that could easily be set up. Yeah. But it had some fun, like, emote stuff where I can send, uh, using the D-pad or the uh, touchpad, Yeah, I could send you sayings. I had a ton of built-in sayings to send. Mm-hmm. I could send it to you directly, or any of the players on my team, mm-hmm. or I could send it to the whole force. Right. And you would hear the character talk. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things about this game, too. As you're playing even a single player, you'll hear your teammates talking as you pass by them. And it's usually like these really canned phrases. And a lot of times they don't make any sense at all. <laughs> so I don't even think it's English sometimes because the grammar is just incorrect. <laughs> I don't know if like the localization was bad or something. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you'll hear them sing army like pep songs and sure. stuff. Sure. Yeah, they do chant EDF a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool, though. It's uh, fun. Now, as we mentioned, though, because of the various difficulty levels and the type of rewards that you give, there's opportunities, let's say, to 
maybe pick the right mission, something that might be perhaps easy or quick to finish, and put that on the hardest difficulty that you think you can endure, and potentially farm that mission so that you can get better weapons. I never thought about it until you told me about this. Uh Uh-huh. But, yeah, so that is one trick you can do to farm better weapons right yeah because i noticed like in the normal course of just playing the game at normal difficulty Uh i got somewhat better weapons but nothing that would really shift the battle i mean there were some missions where i felt like unless i had really good weapons it was going to take a lot oh my god especially on some of those like big boss enemies Uh i mean even when i had some of the really like good weapons later on it took like 20 minutes to be with some of these guys of just constantly bombarding them mm-hmm. with rockets because you don't see their health meter or anything right. you don't know when they're dead so you just have to just keep hitting them until you hope they die mm-hmm. yeah so there's a mission fairly early on I think mission 14 mm-hmm. when the uh, giant walking robots first enter the game yeah it's a beach assault in reverse it's almost like you know storming the beaches of Normandy yeah we're the ones defending the beach and there's these giant robots walking ashore so there's a lot of assistance on that level from the other EDF forces that mm-hmm. are on the beach already. You're also getting attacked by drones. Right. And things like the drones are great because they do drop a lot of weapons and health kits and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, the ants and the drones, anything you get a lot of low health but swarmy type enemies, like the spiders, they drop a lot of stuff. Yeah. So any of those stages are really good for farming weapons. Mm-hmm. Stuff like the Hectors and the big ships, they don't really drop much. Right. Yeah, they'll explode and you'll see a bunch of stuff fall, but because it takes so much effort to mm-hmm. blow one of those things up, you don't get a lot of rewards for spending all that time doing it. Yeah. From what I understand, the weapon drops are all random, mm-hmm. I think, but it is to your character. Like, not every character uses the same weapons. So if you play as a ranger, you're going to get just weapons that only the ranger can use. Sure. And then at the end of the level, you'll see what you get. But the level base of the weapon will be according to what difficulty you played on, which mm-hmm. is why you're saying... What we did, I did too, was I went back to some of the earlier levels and I, on that level specifically, and I played it on a hard level of difficulty once I had my character powered up a little bit. Yeah. And I was able to farm some better weapons to take on some of the later levels, yeah. <laughs> which were difficult. And it almost seems like, you know, you have to do that. It's Yeah, you might have to, because it's tough. Those, mm-hmm. That game gets much, much harder later on. <laughs> right. Also on the tunnel levels, very limited lighting, very limited visibility. Yeah. And very tight quarters. So there are times where, like, it might be empty, and then you turn the corner, there's just swarms of bugs everywhere. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was one of the coolest moments, too, in the game when you first are going down there and you get reports of a queen down there. You're tunneling pretty far. You're going, like, 15, 20 minutes on the ground, and all of a sudden there's this big empty space, and you can't see anything because it's completely dark. But then you fire off your rocket launchers, and they take a while to hit the other side. Yeah. And then when it explodes, it lights up the room, and then you see this enormous bug <laughs> yeah. that you had not seen before. And it's like... It's just sitting there, like, waiting. And it's, like, the size of the screen, basically. Yeah. But you only see it for, like, a minute, and then it goes dark again. Yeah, because your, your explosion wears out. Yeah, I know exactly what scene you're talking about. Uh-huh. I had the same response, too. Because it's, like, totally quiet, and you're like, there's got to be the enemy around here somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing I did. I shot my rocket launcher, it went off, and then I saw, I was like, whoa. <laughs> it's like, okay, I guess I have to go to this thing now. Yeah. So, it, it can be tricky sometimes to figure out which way to go and what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. The little radar scope... Underground, yeah, it's a little tricky, because it doesn't tell you where the walls are on the stage. It just gives you the general direction of the enemy, but it doesn't tell you, like, it's which way like you have compass, to run through. kind of. Uh-huh. Yes, what's your general uh, consensus on this game, though, having played a few of these before? So, yes, I played 2017, Mm -hmm. and I played Insect Armageddon. Mm -hmm. So I only played two. I mean, I didn't play all of them. Right. But I like this one a lot. I like the online play. I like that they added the split-screen co-op. I think that's pretty cool, especially this game. I didn't try split-screen, though, so I don't know how bad the frame rate gets. This type of game, I think, is good for that. It's definitely the best-looking game of all of them. Mm -hmm. This game never had the best graphics you're going to see. Like, you can tell this was definitely made for an older-gen system. Yeah. Because even though the graphics are good, they're, like, good for Xbox 360. They're not, like, PS4 good. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you're not going to look at it and say, oh, this is, like, unbelievable. You know, it's okay. But finally, we have a game that has a decent frame rate. Yeah. Because they all are just known for horrible frame rates. I mean, if you play, like, the PS2 versions... 
I've looked at some videos of that, and that moves like five frames per second at best. Maybe when it gets really crowded. Yeah, when it gets crowded. Later on, that's a lot of the whole game. Yeah, sure. And that's one of the things I always remember about the old games. Like, the frame rate just drops so bad. Mm-hmm. But it's still a good game, though. And then this one it still drops, but it's still playable. So that's good. The action, again, it reminds me of that feeling in, like, Robotron of just constantly shooting everything around me. Mm-hmm. It has a little bit of that Borderlands looting where you complete a level and now you have all these new guns. And I spend time, like, looking at, well, this one is better for this, but... You know, it doesn't reload as much. I like yeah. that aspect of finding mm-hmm. new weapons. I mean, there's hundreds of weapons in this. Yeah, there are definitely times when you'll get the tally at the end, and it shows you the list of, here's what you found in this mission. Uh-huh. And then it'll highlight the new ones. And you go and check them out, and you're like, okay, this sounds like it could be decent. And so you equip it for your next mission. And then as you start the mission, you find, ah, so it's not that great, actually. Yeah. Or it's not quite what I was expecting. But now you're like, I don't really want to quit the mission either, though. I'll try to get through it with this less than optimal weapon. Yeah, I've done that. Uh huh. It's a little bit of that mm-hmm. going on. It, it would be nice if there was maybe like a firing range back in your base that you could try these weapons out on before you actually start the mission. Yeah. But that's okay. Same thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. The enemy designs, mm. I think, are still really cool. They've always been cool. I like the dragons. I was really surprised how well they're done, especially the boss dragon. Yeah. I was really, really surprised at how good that looked. (laughs) Yeah, that was almost like a monster attack. That was a tough battle, too. That was tough because the dragon had a giant breath weapon. It was basically a fireball that was engulfing, like, the entire area that you were Yeah, for blocks, uh-huh. And it was really hard to avoid. So I would try to find cover in between buildings. That was really one of the few missions where I really thought... I gotta take cover when this thing's about to hit. Mm-hmm. And I would still take damage, no matter what. Yeah, me too. You would see him fire his fire blast, like, three blocks away, but as soon as it landed the fire, it just creeped towards you, mm-hmm. you know? Because that's how big the blast was of right. the fire. Yeah, and unfortunately, there weren't a lot of smaller enemies in that level. I mean, there were. Yeah. But once you cleared them out, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of opportunity to get a lot of health refills. Right. So you're taking damage every time this thing's breathing fire. But there's not much opportunity to recover. Yeah, that was one stage where I was like, I don't know if I can do the stage. And I feel like I got lucky when I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I did finally Mm -hmm. figure out a pattern to beat him. But it took a few tries. Yeah. And then, you know, the stuff I didn't like about it. Like I was saying, it does feel a little bit like it's still like a prior gen game. I don't feel like this is a true next gen version of this game. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a good version of it. But... I want to see the next game. Like, I feel like that's going to take advantage of, like, some new hardware and yeah. better graphics and, and stuff like that. I just wonder how much improved it is on PC, if at all. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah sure, me too. I wonder. I'm sure the frame rate is at least better. Because even on PS4, this game suffers a little bit. creaks in moments, especially when things are getting really intense. Yeah. Or, you know, when you're panning the camera around, you definitely notice, like, the screen tearing a bit and the frame rate's really dropping. Yeah, that's why I was wondering your opinion on it, because I'm so used to that happening in the other games that mm-hmm. I knew full well what I was getting myself into, yeah. and it didn't bother me. But for you, I was wondering, like, are you going to think, like, oh, this game looks terrible? Like, how can this be on a PS4? Well, I just wish it was better, but it was still fun. I mean, it didn't really it's detract from the game that much. It feels a little bit like a budget game, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like it's something about well, it. Well, it's just one of those things. It's like, looks like we've got a hit on our hands. We'll do what we can. Yeah. But they're still working with, like, you know, a limited budget, perhaps. Yeah. Really, nothing has changed. I mean, this is exactly like the other game. Especially 2017. It's almost a carbon copy. Yeah. So if you haven't played any of the other games, especially the Xbox 360 2017, don't even bother going back because it's the same. Unless you really like the game, but yeah, I don't think you gain anything by playing some of the older ones other than to just check out the way they made the enemies in those older games. Mm. But Well, EDF 5 is coming. It is coming, yeah. It was announced, at least for Japan, it was announced for 2017. So I'm assuming we're going to get it at some point. Yeah. Um, did it come out yet? I'm not sure. No, okay. I don't think so. But there's a lot of footage of it out there, mm-hmm. and it looks pretty good. But again, from what I've seen, it looks like almost the same game again, <laughs> <laughs> but with the new enemies. It's cool, But though. it's a fun formula. It has a very arcade but, you know, next-gen feel mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. If you like third-person shooters, you might find it fun with, like, a little B-movie horror stuff to it. Mm-hmm. But definitely a little Japanese-flavored as well. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised to have enjoyed it as much as they did. Yeah. 
There's a lot of people that don't like this game either. Mm. But it's got a hardcore cult following, for yeah. sure. Yeah, they're fun. Enjoyed it a lot. Did, now, did you have any favorite stage? Uh, the last stage is always out there. Like, even in the other games, yeah. that last stage, they throw the kitchen sink at you. It's everything. And mm-hmm. more. Right. But, aside from that... I don't know if any particular one was really my favorite, but I just tend to prefer the city-based ones more than the other it's ones. Than, like, the tunnels of the open field. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are more interesting. I liked the Argos stage to me. That was really cool when I saw that. Mm-hmm. I didn't read any of the spoilers, so it was new to me, and I wasn't expecting that. When mm-hmm. they said it was transforming, I was like, oh, really? Because I was behind a building at the time. I was hiding because I saw, like, lasers being shot. So I looked around, and I see, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> and then all my armies got wiped out, and it wasn't so cool anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> the other cool thing is when enemies die in this game I mean the, the death animations are really very physics based like it doesn't just explode it blows apart into pieces and the parts go flying everywhere and land <laughs> yeah. near you and a lot of times they block your movement or they block your shots right you'll have to be surrounded by dead bugs you, so you're trying to hit more enemies because there's still plenty more but their bodies are in the way mm-hmm. and your shots are not getting through until finally kind of despawns and goes away. That's a big problem, actually, especially with the insects. What's cool about that is some of the transport ships, Yeah, you'll destroy it, and they're real high up in the sky. They blow up, so you're going back to fighting the other enemies now, and then you start to see a shadow. <laughs> right. And then you turn around, and you see the ship like slowly falling from the sky, uh-huh. and it's crashing down. So now you're like, oh, i got to get out of here, because this thing's going to fall on top of me. Yeah. I don't think you get any kind of splash damage or falling damage. I don't damage. think so. I don't think you do. So but at least you're just, spared it does, that? You do get kind of stuck in the, the blast, though. Right. But it does create a dramatic moment, though, where you're like, oh, this thing's coming down really hard. Yeah. And I better not be near it. Even though you don't actually get hurt by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. There's many cool visual moments you know, yeah. like that. Uh, another major complaint, which I had mentioned, was there's no running ability. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a bummer, especially when you're trying to collect the weapons or trying to catch up with an enemy. You move a little bit slow, I yeah. think. In the beginning, I had a pause, and I'm like, I seem to remember there's a run button somewhere. So I'm looking through the manual, and I didn't see it anywhere. So I go on Google, and I'm like, can you run in Earth Defense Force? People had the same question I had. I see like a million you know, FAQs about it. There's ways around it, especially with the ranger. You can kind of do like a roll yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, the, sh- the shoulder roll. The shoulder roll, and then that gives you like a little bit of a boost. Right. But even that's not that great. It's doing, tricky to pull off. Doing that roll is almost the same as jumping. So a lot of times you just end up jumping. Mm-hmm. And the jump doesn't really propel you that far. Yeah. That's why I was interested to play the wing diver, because she's got a lot more mobility. She's got the jetpack. She can fly with it, but she can't really just fly indefinitely. It's more like a super jump. Yeah. With, like, a little bit of a hover ability if you know how to manage it well. Mm-hmm. Definitely, if there's a situation where you need to pick up a lot of items, I think she's the one that's probably best equipped to do that. Yeah. So, Agreed. if I'm going to play any more of this game, that's probably the way I would go, go next. Go back and play with her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. It'd be cool. Yeah. Do you think you'd be interested in playing the next one? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Strongly interested wow. in it now. So we have a new fan. As a result of this game. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else like this game, similar to it? I've heard about that Destroy All Humans game. Yeah. I never played it, though. But right. From the photos, it kind of looks similar. That's why I'm wondering. Well, I would say Destroy All Humans is probably more like a Grand Theft Auto type of oh, game. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I think there's a lot more interactive stuff with the environment. It's more open world, and I think it's more like just go up to an area, and there's a mission there, and you can do the mission to complete that area. Uh, okay. Yeah, and then also that game is told from the perspective of the invading alien, and then you're out to create havoc on the Earth. Oh. You're the alien in this oh, I game. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> so a little different, but probably similar in at least presentation style, but the gameplay is very different. Mm. i not really sure what else to compare this to. Mm, I'd have to think about it. Okay. All right, well, I guess we will end our discussion for this week on this game. Okay. And until the next one comes out, <laughs> that'll be it for EDF Action. Uh-huh. Sure. But next week we'll have some other things to talk about. 
Okay, so join us again, but in the meantime, you can contact us at obbfeedback at gmail.com. Mm. And also check us out on the Retro Junkies Network. Yeah. As well as some of our other friendly podcasts there. Good idea. And otherwise, we'll see you next week. Okay. Thank you.